ghost tours, true crime tours, and history tours. GrimPhilly.com. And for being a friend and supporting this podcast on Patreon, there is a special place in Grim Philly heaven just for you. Patreon.com backslash Grim Philly. Grim, the mature audience history podcast, dark histories, true crime, salacious stories by historians for your R-rated educational intellect. This is Grim. Welcome to our seventh installment, our, our very last installment, in Grim Philly's audio documentary of the life and adventures of Philadelphia's favorite son, the most famous Philadelphian ever to live, that's not Joe Woji, Benjamin Franklin. As we conclude this documentary of Benjamin Franklin, as Benjamin Franklin goes out with a bang, there is some crazy, and I gotta say morally irreprehensible stuff, not of Franklin's doing, but other members of the Hellfire Caves and the Hellfire Club that has caused a rift between them in their parliament and you will want to hear it and as we began in episode one with franklin's family his childhood his move to philadelphia so do we end with the legacy he's left for philadelphia and humanity with some praise some criticisms too and just a little bonus banter in this episode too you're listening to grim, explicit histories, grim topics, extreme, dark histories, folklore, and the paranormal for mature audiences. We keep it real, we keep it educational, thought-provoking, like a motherfucker. I'm Joe Woji, and this is Grim. Dark histories. True crime for mature audiences. You're listening to Grim. We are, as always, myself, Joe Woji, professor of history, Ryder University, with Brittany Smith, American historian at the Museum of the American Revolution here in Philadelphia. Joined today by Philadelphian historian Thaddeus Sisko, with the one and only Philadelphia's Antoinette Tony Levitt, who many of you may know from her 35,000 TripAdvisor reviews for Grim Philly on our Dark Philly Adult Night Tours. Maybe this is where it comes from, that Franklin, they say that every time a, I shouldn't say just men because it could be women, every time a $100 bill is snapped into a stripper's thong, <laughs> Ben Franklin gets a laugh dance from the grave. Isn't that good? Ben loves it. Thanks you. Yeah. I think that's something a stripper made up, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially here in Philly. Has anybody read his autobiography? Or his, yeah, his autobiography. I listened to it on audiobook. It's Did about you? seven and a half hours. Yeah. It's really good. 
It's, I heard it was hard to read. Maybe it, oh. Listen to an audiobook. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like I did. Fall asleep to it. <laughs> like I did. Just take a couple nights. Of course, he would have made himself look, you know, you're not going to write an autobiography and make yourself look like a drunken yeah, sex yeah, yeah. maniac. No. no, he leaves all that shit. So yeah. he would have left that out anyway. Yeah. In any case, the craziest fucking thing that happened in the Hellfire Clubs. Did you guys read this? Oh, there's a lot of shit that went on, I mean. But the absolutely fucking craziest thing. And it caused a riff, and then the Hellfire Club declined after this. But John Montesquieu, I said his fucking name wrong. Say Montague. it again, Ted. Thank you. The <laughs> Earl of Sandwich. So he was a little sidebar. He was orphaned as a kid, so he grows up with this big fucking fortune and, I guess, squanders it like Dashwood in <laughs> big ways. <laughs> but so he's a lord, right? He's in the House of Lords. And John Wilkes is in the House of Commons, and he's part of the Hellfire club too from what i read he was considered as an initiate for the inner circle at one point and didn't get it but they were rivals and it grew out of something that happened in the hellfire caves that they had a split in parliament too and montesquieu was people thought like a pretender he just wanted to hang out and have a good time and drink and be debaucherous but he was he really liked god <laughs> like he he really didn't believe the shit that he was saying so they pulled a fucking practical joke on him well at least oh, not they because it's a it's a story it's fucking crazy and there's two different versions of it one's worse than the other but john wilkes decided to play a fucking practical joke on him because they were like merry pranksters they would fuck around and do crazy fucking things a little sidebar on them somebody had dropped down a fucking goose down the chimney of the tavern when they were just first meeting when they were small so it would like just burn in the fire and they all had to run out and uh, dashwood was like nah well played that's cool you pranked us whatever you know we'll prank people too they let monkeys out in a church one time and like that was one of the things that they pranked and, and there's other stories of dashwood pranking shit in church too hold on, hold on i gotta say it before i fucking forget he got thrown out of italy for fucking whipping people in a church because people were like pretending to whip each other or themselves in like flatulation because christ had gotten whipped and they were pretending to cry out in pain and he was like you want something to cry about motherfucker i'll give you something to cry about <laughs> and he fucking started whipping people and they they threw him out of Italy. So that's one of the things that he also has in common with Alistair Crowley. They both got thrown out of Italy. I actually did read that earlier about Italy. He fucking, he was an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> he was a conflicted atheist though, actually, because he, he had these little God things on the side that he conflicted about. But back to the story, the baboon. You guys read that shit? Yes. No. Yeah, I read about it. It's fucking nuts. So you got to figure out, there's these caves and they make them all scary. They're all scary and dark and fucking like there's ambient fucking hell lighting and shit, you know? And may maybe there's ambient fucking hell music too. I don't know. But he was like, hi, we got to fuck. Uh, there's two different versions of this story, but it's John Wilkes who is pranking the Earl of Sandwich, who's like the more powerful guy and got his place in the inner circle. And so he's like all jealous with it. So they put this fucking baboon or orangutan in a big chest and they fucking put like a demon mask on the motherfucker and they're like dude you gotta go in there and, and it's all like creepy quiet creaky it's all scary like it's fucking hell because they're in the hellfire caves and they're like god you gotta go in that room you gotta get the fucking thing you gotta open it up and the fucking baboon jumped out and they were like he was freaking out because he thought it was the devil. He thought it was an actual <laughs> demon. And But, you know, it's a fucking baboon, you know? So it was like clawing him and fucking him up. And he never forgave the guy. But there's a worse, worse, crazy fucking story about it, too. Where, like, they were doing a ritual to summon the devil in the Hellfire Caves. And this is something Alistair Crowley's going to do later, too. Tries to summon the devil and demons and shit like that. So Alistair Crowley really got a lot of his influence from Sir Francis Dashwood, but they do this, the second version of it is, of the story, and we don't know, they don't have records. This is all fucking hearsay that we get, but same two guys, though, and the one pranking the other, they are summoning 
a demon. And so they're going through this fucking ritual about devil, you know, we're your servants. Come to me, bestow upon me your humble servant, your gifts. And just at the moment where the devil would come or a demon would come, they let this baboon out. And dude fucking that set the thing up, Wilkes, screams like, you know, to act more in a theatrical way, like, ah, it's fucking, it's the devil. And the Earl of Sandwich, it was him being pranked. So, like, he was the one right next to it. And it had been doused in fucking lamp fluid. And they lit the motherfucker on fire. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's fucking, I, I wouldn't put it past them to have actually done done it i don't know it can't be confirmed because there's no records i mean it's fucking horrid you know i mean they'd have gone crazy know. back then yeah no but, such thing as Peter but if the then. story is, but the, if the story is true and, and again like joe said we really really don't know but if the story is true where john wilkes dressed the baboon up like the devil to prank the earl then this might be one of the reasons why their close friendship fell apart because the earl sandwich got his total revenge by basically having wilkes tried for seditious libel and parliament ended up expelling wilkes yeah um uh, as a result so but if a monkey you know, a monkey a fucking big baboon moon orangutan on fire jumped on you because it's supposed to have jumped on his back and if it was on fire and jumped on him that would have even been i mean fuck i mean you gotta figure the orangutan would have been screaming bloody fucking murder if it was on fire that's some fucking hard shit but it would have jumped on his back on fire for him to not forgive Wilkes yeah, for regardless that. of which version yeah. I mean this right. is I mean yeah I th- this. it's still bad either yeah. way but you have to think to think that that story is true only because of the punishment that followed that yeah. followed yeah. I mean that was a lot I mean for him just getting scared who I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him thrown out of parliament. Everybody Unless there's something else that caused like well, a rift between the two of them or something yeah. else that happened. Because we don't know what no. caused the rift between the two of them. This is just one story that people have spread. And obviously there are different versions of the story. Yeah. So, I mean, whether something similar and you're looking at the common But, I mean, if you're only looking if, at the two things saying, okay, which one would be more factual? But they were getting the drunk results. and naked together. Right. It's hard to be anything. Girls yeah. and, their, yeah. and, and sipping. Who knows what rift yeah. was Sipping caused, vino out of fake nuns' laps and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden they hate each other's guts and the one gets the other one turned in. And it was some shit that was printed for the Hellfire Club too. They would mock Christianity and they would print pornographic bullshit inside of like shit with like covers with Bibles. And this is why I think Franklin was in on it because he's a printer. So he would have been able to help them do all that shit. I'm sure he would have. They thought it was, we don't find it as funny probably today that they were printing pornographic shit, you know, but like it was just when the church had had a lot of control and now they don't. And it's okay to, it's not okay to do it, but it's okay for some people to do it. And if anybody else gets wind of it, you're going to be fucking shunned you know so like they they have that in common it was like a bond thing but wilkes had printed 12 copies like one for everybody in the inner circle of this salacious bullshit like pornographic pictures and he's basically for fucking printing 12 fucking pornographic little fucking magazines basically and what's porn back then in the 1700s it's not even pictures that are like could be worse than photography who knows i mean it's not photography even though it's like fucking drawings it's yeah sketches i i mean etchings he got thrown out for, like you said, Brittany, for liable because he talked about one of the bishops in it and stuff like that. And he ran for his vacant commons seat three times, one every time. But because he's a persona non grata, he's not allowed to have the seat. Clearly, they took it from him. It shows his constituency all the more that my vote doesn't count for shit. You pick who I can fucking vote for. And it makes people pissed off about it. So he gets thrown out of commons. He goes to jail again for like a couple of weeks for, li- for not for libel, for rabble rousing. His supporters 
members are outside of the jail petitioning and shit like that and eventually he gets back into parliament again and he is the one that people believe Benjamin Franklin wasn't friends with him but they were allies John Wilkes was a supporter of the American Revolution he introduced a bill into parliament to go easy on the taxing of Americans when the the Stamp Act came about and all the protests had come about in the United States leading up to the revolution it got like 10 votes literally and when he got locked up by the way John Hancock Samuel Adams and the other Adams John Adams the other Adams as the French used to call him the other Adams the non-famous Adams all three of those guys wrote a petition that they signed from America sent it to the English government to release him from fucking jail because they had locked him up for fucking bullshit they were on his side because he was on our side but only like 10 people in parliament gave a fuck to sign it but he's the person probably helping Franklin there was a pro-American very 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 small group of parliamentarians that were pro-American he was the most outspoken against them because after he got locked up after he lost his parliamentary seat for this bullshit he went off on inherited privilege like crazy he went off on it and fucking hated basically it was what happened to him made him be radical against inherited privileges and lordships and shit like that afterwards because he was only in the House of Commons not the House of Lords Mm -hmm. as it affects our Benjamin Franklin. Now that we're back to Ben Franklin. I don't know if Benjamin Franklin was there for the baboon thing, but do you guys know that Benjamin Franklin brought a baboon into Independence Hall? No. No. It's on some of the literature of Independence Hall. Part of Independence Hall back in Franklin's day was given to the Museum of the American Philosophical Society. So it was technically in the American Philosophical Society Museum, but they would do a lot of things that we don't do in museums today, which would include like exotic animals. There was a fucking baboon in Independence Hall. I don't think he was on fire. God, I hope not. Yeah. No, I don't think he was. He founded the Philosophical he Society, did. didn't he? Yeah. Yes. He founded everything in Philadelphia. He invented the Philadelphia cheese Just about everything. In 1920. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sure that's going to get you jumped. On 9th Street in the Italian market. Without sure Ben, we wouldn't even play. have a What's that? city. Those are fighting words declaring yeah. who founded the cheesesteak. Somebody asked me that on the board. I'm like, I fucking know. <laughs> Apparently 1935. Those Pats from Pats and Gino. Probably so sure. That's yeah. true. That's that was on Pat and Gino's website. So yeah, it must he founded the library company. He also found it here in Philadelphia. Volunteer firefighter. Mm-hmm. Philosophical Society was an offshoot of the Junto. Right. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you got the Philosophical Society, the library Junto company. Yeah. We still have members. It's and the original not- meeting place of the Junto Club was Third and Market. All right. Would you rather have a demon monkey jump on your back on fire? Fire on fire. Play air bath with Benjamin Franklin in No Libs, Northern Liberties. Gather up a collection of human hearts in your desk drawer, like Paul Whitehall's or Mary Shelley's, or go back in time with celebrity historian Brittany Smith to unravel (laughs) strike that from the the mystery of the universe. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's the one I would go for. I would too, definitely. Yeah. To go back in time with anyone. Yeah. (laughs) Even Brittany. Even Brittany. Take Brittany to the Hellfire Club. You know what? Every time Brittany walks in, celebrity historian Brittany Smith, she has cherub little motherfuckers like flying all around her like Benjamin Franklin. Do you guys ever see that? The picture of Benjamin Franklin with cherub little motherfuckers? Like, he's got the lightning and shit and he's not even getting wet. He's just like got the lightning and there's cherubs with little fucking baby cherubs with wings and shit flying all around him. I mean, like, if you see that shit, you would just be like, this guy is going to do something cool. I wonder if he went around with that shit, like in his life. In his life. <laughs> like if he was just in Independence Hall, like signing the Constitution, and he had charitable motherfuckers just flying around, and they were like, all right, yeah, something's going to happen here with this guy. <laughs> all right, so Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat. Benjamin Franklin in Mortal Kombat, who would win? Benjamin Franklin, the flaming demon monkey, or 
all of the evil henchmen from National Treasure. Flaming Demon Monkey. <laughs> yeah, Flaming Demon Monkey. You think? Not yeah. Ben? No, I'm, Ben's not beating the monkey. That's a hard decision. Because <laughs> Ben's really resourceful. Right. He's got charitable motherfuckers. There's yeah, some it, shit that's special. I don't special. know about the charitable business or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but like, he's like an 80-year-old number, man. Number one, you have to, no, to determine when, at what age. What if he was younger? What if he was 35? Because when, when he was younger, he was a fit. He All right, fit, 35 was is very different, though, than like 80-year-old Ben. So yeah. very Swim instructor Ben Franklin, 25 years old. Yeah, but even then, the Does he have access to weapons or not? Because if there's no weapons and it's his fist, I'm still going with Demon Monkey. He's got magic bifocals. They can fucking find national treasure and shit. Just play the harmonica and put the... The put monkey. the monkey to sleep with the harmonica. <laughs> Do you know, he in National Treasure... Vocals, though, didn't he? he did, yeah. He created them because yeah. he's tired of switching his glasses. One of the other bullshit fucking things in National Treasure that <laughs> I found totally fucking interesting was the fact that, like, Benjamin... Like, knowing everything that we now know about Benjamin Franklin of flashing this motherfucker out. This is a comprehensive motherfucker. <laughs> According to National Treasure, do you know, Benjamin Franklin's older brother who he fucking hated and ran away from James yeah. somehow had the key to the National Treasure and shared it with his 15-year-old little fucking teenage brother who hated his fucking guts and who he beat and made run away. And then when Benjamin Franklin ran away and he prevented him from getting jobs as much as possible, Benjamin Franklin, given all of the keys to find the National Treasure by his brother who fucking hated him, it didn't encourage him to find the National Treasure in any way. It's amazing. That's it's, amazing. He's a yeah. man of moral integrity. He'd rather just get a job than find right, the National right. Treasure. But you know, he worked so hard in his young life until he retired at 42. 42 yeah. I don't know. Did he really? He didn't have time to do all this stuff back then. This would have been in his To second. run around on the top of Independence Hall and fucking right. I, 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 fight yeah. henchmen and shit. He had done this in his second half, don't you think, as an older gentleman? Was he Randy when he was young? We really don't know that. I'm sure he was. He had Probably Randy-er. Partially since he had a <laughs> child. <laughs> how many stories of little bastard Franklin's running around? <laughs> well, there's only one that we know about, William. Yeah, but I mean, who was amazing stories as well. But he did make it quickly, like you said. He was very industrious. Yeah. As a right. I mean, to, make, I mean to be like a millionaire, 40. you know, at 42 in those days. Especially with not inheriting wealth. Without, yes. Yeah, I mean, he built it up. Maybe he found the national treasure after all. Yeah. <laughs> well. And then he LARPed. Basically, LARP. the Hellfire Club was, ba- it was fucking <laughs> sex LARPing, right? <laughs> there was one here, right? In Philadelphia. Not during. Uh, was there Hellfire? a Hellfire Club? Yeah. No, not that no. I know of. Not that I'm aware of. Hell at least. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, oh. I remember Joe and I were saying about recreating one. That would be kind of cool. Oh, okay. Well, then. We then are going to start. one but here. Not during but Ben's time, or at least not a that we know. secret society. Yeah. Right, okay. Of Grimm. There you go. And it will be presided over by Minister Ted Cisco. Sweet. And charitable little motherfuckers will follow you around, there you Ted. Go. But they will be like, they'll have black wings, though, and they'll breathe fucking, they'll smell like brimstone and shit. And they'll breathe fire, yeah. Be yeah. like the little monkeys on fire going around. It'll be like the wicked witch. It'll be like her fucking monkeys. And that song will play everywhere you go. <laughs> I mean, you look at medieval <laughs> times and the torture oh. in medieval <laughs> times. <laughs> they were sick. I made a kid pass out in my class talking about the historical torture device. <laughs> Jesus, Ted. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Did the nurse be like, so what made you yeah. pass out? Oh, well, I turned it off before she came in. <laughs> oh, you were showing visuals? Yeah. <laughs> Did you get a call just, from I was just showing machines. People. Although there were drawings of what they would do with some of the things. I think do you know Benjamin Franklin called me on the phone one time? Did this it? is a good, interesting story. When I first started to do these tours, the guy that dressed like Benjamin Franklin, the, oh, you know, yeah. the reenactor, yeah. he, Benjamin Franklin called me on the phone and told me that I, all right, so I had done, before I started these tours, I had done as a professor, I was 15 professors, like we got to have like little stipends to learn Philly history and get to see like documents and shit that like not everybody gets to see, you know, primary source stuff. And at the farewell dinner, 
dinner thing, they had Steve Enbo, who is the reenactor, the main reenactor, and he's pretty cool for Thomas Jefferson, and then Benjamin Franklin there. So I took pictures with them, and then I stuck them on the website, my very first out of like, I don't know, 900 fucking websites that we've been through so far. <laughs> the very first not very good one. I put them on there and Ben Franklin called and he was like, motherfucker, you got to get me off your website. Then Thomas Jefferson called me, right? <laughs> because Ben Franklin told Thomas Jefferson that he needed to call me too. And then that was Steve Edenbow. And I was like, oh, dude, but I liked you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I talked Steve in to let me keep him on the website. I mean, they're not on the website now because that was like 900 websites ago. But, you ben, know, well, that, that was that first year that we ran. He's dead now. You can put it back up. The Ben Franklin the guy. The guy you're talking about. What was his name? I don't remember his name because I, I, I didn't oh give a fuck. Oh my gosh, it's right, it's right here somewhere. He didn't oh, like hey. me. He didn't like the uh, that I had him on the website but at the dinner he didn't say shit he looked totally like Franklin but he didn't say nothing and Steve Edenboe just want to give him a shout out that motherfucker is so smart about Jefferson he's yeah. insanely smart he's a reenactor about Jefferson here in Philadelphia and elsewhere is too is he still doing it yeah yeah, yeah there's a new reenactor that's younger that's doing uh, um, Thomas Jefferson who I think is fantastic his uh, last name is K-U-H-N-S Coons mm -hmm. he's a lawyer and he actually has really? left his practice just to do this well I left the school and crossbones to be an adjunct <laughs> professor and give up that Senate seat. But Jefferson yeah, even by they, one of my tours. they fly him around to different cities too. But anyway, yeah, there were 25 professors trying to stump him about Jefferson. They couldn't do it. 25 actual like professors trying to stump him. None of them could do it. And meanwhile, the guy that was playing Benjamin Franklin, he didn't say a fucking word. He just stood there and looked like Benjamin Franklin because he did look like him. And there are a lot of places in Philadelphia if you visit the city that you can visit Ben Franklin mm -hmm. where he was at. Ben slept here, there, everywhere. Right. So you can also, Franklin <laughs> Court is probably many places. the big one. Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be haunted too. What? Franklin Court. Franklin Court. There's all these haunted stories about that shit. And the Hellfire Caves it's supposed to be haunted. You know, that's really a good museum, Some that little bride. Franklin Museum at Franklin court mm -hmm. it's really yeah it's a good one just about ben but i think it's got that pharaoh chair people, they carry yeah, them on yes, that's a that crazy fucking chair that's right. a contraption that's Isn't nuts it? and they have the harmonica there well maybe it's on loan because the franklin institute has it when i was in the curatorial department for six years at the franklin institute they housed it there not for the public to see but it was in the curatorial department in the basement and then the last time i went into the franklin institute to give like a lecture they had it out for the public to see on display so maybe they loaned it to the museum. Maybe it's a replica. Replica, you think? I don't know. I mean, his print shop is. So yeah, I mean, the print True. shop's not original. But how do you make I know. How do you make that class harmonica? I'm going to think it's probably on loan, but that's it's there made was out of somebody, glass. I've actually seen somebody play it. It's fragile. It's, it's, it's made amazing. out of glass. And somebody said that Beethoven, who was you said that actually wrote music for it? Beethoven, Beethoven. and Mozart both. Played, yeah. so Beethoven and Mozart both. Because we put together the Franklin Court for the Bicentennial because the actual house that Franklin designed right. and built there, that was torn down much, much earlier. 1813, I think, somewhere in there. 1812, they decide to tear it down. So, because what happens is Franklin obviously buys this property. He builds this house. He doesn't actually ever live in the house that stood on Market Street with his wife, Deborah. They she never died. lived together. Right. Right. But while he's over abroad, he gives her all these letters telling her how he wants things to do. But Deborah lived in the house with Sally or Sarah, their daughter, Sally's husband, Richard Bach, and their children. And Sally had about seven children, I think, or right around seven. So Deborah lived in the house until her death in 1774. Franklin, when he came back from his travels abroad, he did live in that house. Why he's in the house, he does attend the Constitutional Convention, and he also was there for the Second Continental Congress. He dies in the house in 1790. After his death, Sally and Richard spend more time out in the country and abroad. So they, starting in 1794, rent out the house to different people who are visiting the city. So the Portuguese minister rents the house for a time. Then it becomes like a boarding house. It does time as an academy. 
Academy. It is also time as a coffee house. Finally, it does kind of like some work as a hotel. Sally returns to die in the family home 1808 and her husband Richard stays there until his death in 1811 and why he was there. Apparently, it was an African free school that was in the house itself and then after, obviously, Richard dies, the Bach heirs, 1812, decide to tear down the house and rebuild with rental homes. And I need there to the property correct what I had said the last episode which was that Sally... Yeah, Sally did not tear down the house. Sarah tore the house down and I got that wrong. It was the grandchildren. Yeah, the grandchildren. Franklin's grandchildren tore it down. We came back along later on Philadelphia and when we were researching for the Bicentennial in 1976, we didn't have like the complete design for the house so they decided to kind of go with this abstract design. So if you go there today, they have a replica of the printing shop and like a museum and if you go into the actual court, which is like a little bit off Market Street, like it's a little bit further back, yeah. there's kind of like an abstract... They call it the ghost, ghost house. house. The ghost house. That's yeah. actually an architectural name, though. It's a ghost frame. house. It's okay. a frame of it's, a house. Yeah. Because it shows, it'll show you the circumference of the house and the circumference of the print shop. Interestingly, like when Franklin would have been abroad, his wife Debbie and his daughter Sally, they would have been 58 and 34 years old, respectively. They were in the house for the Stamp Act. It's when they were defending the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's how old they were then. Now, where was Ben during the time that... England. Stamp Act, he was over in England. But as far as I know, when his daughter had to flee Philadelphia, though, and the British occupied that house. John and Andre. Andre stayed in that house yeah. and they looted it like mad. But it was on orders from the higher ups. His the daughter war. had just given birth four days before that. So imagine being a brand new mother and having yeah. to flee. You just had a baby and then you have to flee the house and you can't take much with you. You just yeah, take what you can get and then right. get out. You know, we were just quick back to the impersonators. That was uh, Archibald. Impersonators. Ralph Archibald. <laughs> Did I say imper- impersonators? <laughs> no, no, no. We're supposed to say reenactors. <laughs> Reenactor person impersonator. I'm sorry. Reenactor. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah. That was Ralph Archibald, who was the famous Ben Franklin. He was right. really good. That's the guy that called me on the phone. Yeah. Yes, that's Is who that called you. you, on you the phone. We're, we're asking you. And actually, no, do not. We're not talking about well, the dead. Now, so. He's in the Hellfire. Case. And Mitchell yeah. Kramer is a new Ben Franklin. I wonder if he and the real Franklin like. Hey. He's really. He's very good too. The Spider-Man meme. Yeah. What was that drink that they had in the Hellfire Club too? Scalthane was the other one. It was hot, buttery. It was butter. It was melted butter with whiskey, and they heated it up. And that was that super- sounds I'm thinking yeah, it's fucking great. Butter is. You would think a hot buttered rum. Decadent. That's what they were going for. Hot rum. <laughs> I would try it, but... Maybe it was yeah, the Philly special. Well, that's what I thought we were going to have here when you preside over our grim secret. No, place. I'm going to make this all for one. Shh, shh. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> you guys, everybody at home, like, you are welcome into our secret hellfire club. It's just us. It's just anybody that's friends of the grim. Like, we're I just a, think it'd be fun to get kind of get together. and We're a secret society now. Yeah, we are. Four of us. <laughs> and we will worship Satan with Ted Sisko at the helm. Sweet. And we would drink hot buttery rum and whiskey yeah. and... You're on your own. Brimstone. You guys carry a condom kit <laughs> you gotta come with because you have the cherubs <laughs> celebrity historian Brittany Smith Brittany will, Brittany will be the nun <laughs> Brittany can dress as a nun with leather whips the fun nun <laughs> I get to punch people did you uh you can whip them did you do anything now we're going way too much they're very yeah now it's getting bad. weird now we're getting to the fetish part they're <laughs> naughty <laughs> 
they Can might have to be whipped like a really long time from now. Yeah. I, oh my oh God, my it takes way longer than to actually record this. Think. Oh fuck, yeah. Like shit tons of time. But Insane. I don't suppose you can actually do it so you can just put it out without editing. No. <laughs> I could, well, you, but then it wouldn't be special. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right, guys. Is there anything getting... else you want to say about Ben? Because there was. 10 minutes. That motherfucker, Ben Franklin, liked ice cream too. And that was yep. some decadent brand new shit. The French invented. He liked his lemon ice cream. They would literally have to collect snow in the winter time, save that shit, and then in the summer, I'll put like some flavor. You know, they it. had his eye. He had his ice pits, ice out of the Delaware. Mm-hmm. You no, know, who invented ice cream? Who brought ice cream first here? Yeah, it was. Uh, I heard Thomas Jefferson. Uh, macaroni and cheese. Dolly, Dolly Madison, Madison is very famous for having made crazy flavored ice cream, such as oyster. Oyster was a big one. Her favorite, oh, fuck. because yeah. she Pickle had parties at the White House. She was the first person, first lady. She didn't invent it, but she introduced it. There to was this a country. lot. Of she uh, wanted an aphrodisiac for yeah. dessert. Her and her girlfriend. That's one of the original aphrodisiacs to go yeah. back to ancient Greece. They thought really that, that got you oysters. Horny. Eating oysters because if does you look at an oyster, it's produce testosterone in males. But you got to eat it regularly for a month for that to happen. But yeah, it does look like something. Well, you there, know, if you it? just <laughs> believe it is, guys, it can work. You are, oysters. and and the way you eat it, uh, I assume it would be raw oysters. Suck it on out. So it's kind of like yeah. you know, <laughs> lends to that kind of association. A sucking face right now. Mm. We're cutting this. <laughs> I'm just wondering, in the Hellfire Caves, Uh-oh. did Benjamin Franklin bring to it electric oral? What? You guys electric have heard of, what? heard of electric kisses? Benjamin Franklin used to do that. That was one of his experiments. He would put a little charge into a girl, and then she would kiss you. The electric shock would come through her lips onto your cheek. He had electric kisses. Hellfire Caves. Bring that shit up a notch. Franklin was there. Was there electric oral? <sighs> Some things I just can't comment on. <laughs> Electric kisses for sure. We'll try the experiment later. It was a thing he did. <laughs> Franklin did it. Man versus history. We don't know that for sure. Yeah. One of the cool things about the Hellfire Cave that we missed though too, the inner sanctuary where only the 12 people were allowed that were the original members, there was a natural spring under there and a natural, not really river so much as like a little stream, but they would hire people from the town, make them swear oaths of secrecy and shit and pay them pretty good, but they would dress a motherfucker up as Charon, the faceless boatman and they would have an actual little fucking boat and it would go across the river, the sticks. river sticks into the deepest part of hell <laughs> the full effect does your does mrs joe know that you're fascinated with the hellfire club she fucking knows that i'm fascinated with weird, weird shit they're just playing weird shit <laughs> she tells me to shut up i try to tell her all this stuff and she's like she walks away it sounds familiar <laughs> she doesn't even tell me to shut up anymore she just leaves the room. yeah <laughs> I'm pretty sure most people who meet Joe very quickly realize that he's into very weird shit. <laughs> oh my God. Be a student in one of my classes. <laughs> poor students. I brought into it like, this week all the fucking Marie Antoinette weird shit that we did on our Marie Antoinette oh. episode when we were talking about the fucking They're like, we'd like the, the basics of the French Revolution. Yeah. And Joe's like, so. No. They love it. <laughs> Side notes. I told him I was giving him a quiz just today. And they were like, is it going to be on all that fucking weird shit? Well, they didn't say weird shit. <laughs> yeah. They were like, is it going to be on the blood and guts? They probably didn't say fucking either. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> Joe's like, no, it's going to be like on actual. Yeah. <laughs> basic history. It will be on basic history. It's not going to be. They're on like, the... so wait, they probably hate you. Marie Antoinette shat herself. 
nothing that's on the <laughs> quiz. People threw their shit at her as she went to the. <laughs> They're like, don't you think when you teach with real stories and yeah. kids, oh, they fucking I mean, love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, but then it's not on the it. test. That's right. <laughs> as long as you, as long as you put that on the test, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> they love it as long as that's the material for the exam. I introduced the kids to our mascot. Mm-hmm. I have a mascot in class. It's an actual petrified bat. Oh, okay. Yes, in my desk drawer. In Ted Cisco's <laughs> educational yes. fuckery, there are bats. Yes, <laughs> petrified bat. It, it feels like paper mache, but it's actually a real bat. Really? Yeah, pretty huh. cool. Pretty Some of cool. the kids are grossed out by it. Yeah, I'm sure they are. And I tell them it's fake, and so they I can touch to it. Like, no, it's actually real. Oh Give them God. ghost That's pie. What, what is that Holy Ghost pie? <laughs> You're awful, Ted. <laughs> or when they go to pet it, I move it real quick. So yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> Make them pass out. <laughs> Hellfire Club facts. I'm OD'd on this. The (laughs) outside (laughs) gardens upstairs, so to speak, in the gardens represents the outside of a woman. The inside down in the Hellfire Caves (laughs) represents a woman's reproductive system. That's totally wrong. I have no idea. (laughs) The (laughs) banquet hall. There's a big fucking humongous one area. That's supposed to be the womb where everybody banquets. Now I think you're making this shit up. I'm not. I heard it. I read it on hellfireclub.com. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally true. Anybody have any other thoughts on Ben Franklin? Um. Oh, yeah, totally true. <laughs> one of the cleverest things he said, one of the clever things he said so much that I use at the end of my tour, just giving advice that Ben would give my guest. Yeah. I say, he like doing that. Now, if I can get it right, <laughs> I'm not on the tour. A foolish man would find a hole in his pants pocket and be very upset. I would scratch my balls. <laughs> Here is A wise man would use it to scratch yes. his balls. See, there you go. We are wise. I blew that. <laughs> you did great. Joe just jumped in on you. He is buried here in Philadelphia, Fifth and Arch at Christ Church. Burial ground. Burial ground. Mm-hmm. You can see him when the burial ground Make closed. Make sure you bring a penny with you. I thought they don't like us to throw pennies Oh, anymore. you know what? They, no. they thought it cracked. Throws caused a crack yeah. in his... <laughs> yeah. In the stone. Right. It cracked because it's fucking old. <laughs> how many pennies hey, would it no take? Sh- the weight of how many... I think it was the, the oxidization. I actually like the pennies being thrown because I collect all that shit. Yeah, they get like oh, thirty five hundred. Yeah, they get like three to four thousand dollars every year. Yeah. And this they actually COVID, clean though. it off mostly every night. Yeah. Well, now well, there's not somebody that many, would hop the fence and take them yeah. off. Yeah. I mean, you got fucking a couple hundred dollars a exactly. day. Exactly. Well, I've seen homeless people trying Try to scrape them over. off. Yeah. And I said, look, if you stop, I'll give you twenty dollars. Just stop doing that. <laughs> and I did, and he stopped. Probably went right back when I left. Probably. Deborah's buried next to him, right? Yeah. Like the two of them are buried together. So was the daughter and her husband. The first, they were finally reunited when he died. Now he's stuck with it. Can't go anywhere. The burial plot is that the base burial plot or is that Franklin? Both. Is it both? He yeah. and Deborah are one plot right next to Sally, Sally and Richard, and Francis is at the foot. Their infant and son Reed. Died. Yeah, I'm getting confused because it was yeah. not the burial plot. Is the pew in Christ Church is not Franklin's pew? It's the family. Reed family. He didn't give a fuck to go to church. No, no. And he sat in the back because yeah. you had to pay for your pew. Well, yeah. they said he slept you sat to most the... of the time when he showed up. Sounds well, like one me. of the stories that he told was that like he just didn't go to fucking church because. No. Bored the fuck out of him, and he ran into the pastor one time. And the pastor fucking talked to him and talked to him, and then guilted him and not coming. So he went for five weeks in a row, and then he was like, "Fuck, that was boring as hell." Yeah, yeah. Fuck that eats and, into well, my were study five time. Five-hour sermons sometimes, yeah. and he gave Sundays for study. Like he would read and try to self-improve on. He would do that every single day, but Sunday was his big, big fucking reading and study day. And he was like, "That eats into my fucking study time. I could listen to boring bullshit that I'm not learning anything from." I don't think he was fond he of organizing. Religion. No, another thing I have in common with Ben. <laughs> he was never a Quaker. 
Walker. No, no. But he no. Was. Yeah. money to different churches. He did, so, yeah. yeah. Every church every in Philadelphia, church, yeah. every single church. Yeah, he was gifting in that respect, mm-hmm. but it didn't well, you necessarily know, mean that he was personally going right. to go to. Depot on Christ Church or, was built through a lottery that, that he, he held. Yep. He was the biggest funder of that, that church. That yeah, there yeah. Was. So he, he would give money to of the different organized religions, but he didn't necessarily. I'll give you money, but I won't show up. Well, that gets him out of religion, basically. He was because he. I think he agreed with the general principles. Yes. Of hard work and being kind to others yeah. and charity and things. Womanizing. <laughs> right. That hey. one, not so much. But <laughs> he did agree with a lot of the general yeah. principles. Just don't be a dick, basically. Well, yeah. Just don't beat it to death. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he's credited with creating the pros and cons. Like when you make a decision and you're oh, really? the pros and the cons. Neil was saying the balance sheet. Yeah, the ledger sheet. He did it in a letter to Joseph Priestley, ah. one of his friends and fellow scientists. Early to bed, early to rise makes a motherfucker healthy, wealthy, and wise. He who lies down with Dogs will rise with fleas. Fish and guests stink after three days. You want to know the value of money? Go try to borrow some. He's got lots and lots of good sayings. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't all hang together. We will all, all surely hang, hang, hang separately. Separate. That was his revolution. He's not credited, phrase, I think, with the cartoon, The Joiner Die. The Joiner Snake. Right. You of course, know, that's earlier, though, than the American that was, Revolution. Yeah. That was from We could probably spend a whole podcast yeah, on more. just his wisdom. But it's credited his to wisdom. him. Mm-hmm. If you read into it, because he's got that book of wisdom as well, The Way to Wealth, it's taken from a lot of the excerpts from mostly Poor Richard's Almanac, mm-hmm. but it's so fucking good. I mean, for research in this episode, I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is something that they really shouldn't teach you when you're like in fourth grade and can't appreciate Top, yes, it. Yes, exactly. You should exactly. be taught this at like 17 years old going into adulthood because it really, it's good, good information. It's inspiring. But many of it is so appropriate for today. Absolutely it is. He says just be diligent. He lays out how you should conduct your day just in a basic way. He's like, get up, take two hours, and over breakfast, contemplate what you'll do today to be productive. It's good for like an artisan or somebody that's like self-employed, especially because then the next, it's really meant for him, for somebody in his situation. But then the next three hours, work, do your work. Then over lunch, read, study, like that's your study time. Eat lunch and study shit you don't know. Then go back to work for another three hours. So it's like a 10 hour day, but he's got all your meals within that as well. And Brittany, you have it. You have a page open in that book that you have. What do you have yeah. there? What book do you have there? Um, I have the autobiography and other writing by Ben Franklin, the one that's edited with an introduction by Peter Shaw, but it has in it, it actually has what you're describing. It has his timeline. So like the morning from five to seven, rise, wash and address powerful goodness, contrive day's business and take the resolution of the day, study, breakfast. Mm-hmm. Then you work from eight to 11, 12 to one, you read or overlook my accounts and you have lunch. You work again from two to five and then from six to nine put things in their places you have dinner music or diversion or conversation examination of the day and then from 10 to four you would sleep so that was his outline of the day that's fucking beautiful he lays out 13 tenets kind of like the satanic tenets yes. how many we got with that but <laughs> he virtues? has the virtues yes yes virtues <laughs> <laughs> which are temperance silence order resolution fragility industry sincerity justice moderation cleanliness tranquility chastity and the one that he had trouble with that he admitted having trouble with humility mm. but he would literally work on these he would take one and work on it for the week then he would take another and work on it for the week he was a diligent motherfucker 
He really has good advice and would try. Couldn't have done all this if he hadn't really himself. been structured. I think I so. wish I had I that quality. Very organized. He created a whole chart for yeah. every day for all 13 wow. virtues, and he would mark how he was doing. You know, I think interesting would be about what if Ben Franklin came back today? That's a great question. So if he didn't act any different, it would be crazy funny. But you know he would act different because he was adaptable. He probably would fucking have a web host service. There would be some good news finally. Oh yeah, I think he'd probably You turn on the news is- and it would be good. Actually, yeah, this finally. is not what I expected, guys, coming back here. He would be amazed we're still here with he, our republic. <laughs> I think the science developments would absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when we get to tell him, like, we went to, we landed on the moon, and yeah. I think it'd be like, mind blown. Maybe he, he even be so said surprised. that he wished that he was born later. And, oh, yeah. Or that he wished that he saw what came after him. Yeah. He right, said that. He wanted, yeah, he wanted to see. See, I don't want to see the future. I'd <laughs> rather go back, but that might be my age, too. <laughs> What's going on? Where's it going now? He did say, any society willing to give up a little freedom for security for a little security deserves neither and mm-hmm. will have neither now that's appropriate for today certainly because that's <laughs> what we're doing slowly but surely i have no more words of wisdom as we begin so shall we end with mary shelley having been inspired 66 years before when benjamin franklin had conducted his electrical experiments and married percy Shelley. She has like a tragic, haphazard fucking life as a twit, I think. But <laughs> having been inspired by Dr. Franklin's electric experiments to conjure a life where there was none. And we talked a little bit about people experimenting with that, with the dead, with animals, with human cadavers. And Lord Byron, who was friends of theirs, started a branch off the Hellfire Club, or at least unsuccessfully, he attempted it. According to the historian Jeffrey Ash, at least, Sir Francis Dashwood kept the heart of his most likely lover, Paul Whitehead. My heart belongs to you, and even if I'm buried with this person, my heart goes to that. Mary Shelley also had the heart of husband Percy in her desk drawer. Like, I had more fucking shit to say about this. Excuse me, what did but you you're do? confusing me with someone who gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> the history professor. <laughs> Where's the Looney Tune ending? We need to play the song. I'll get it for you. <laughs> And to end, our celebrity historian, Brittany Smith, with a reading from Benjamin Franklin from the Gospel dramatically of Franklin. He wrote this at 22 years old, too. I was say, he wrote it pretty early. So, I mean, yeah. it's not actually what's on his tombstone. It's not on his tombstone. It's not on his tombstone, no. but it's no. on the sign. Sign. There's a yeah. big wall around the graveyard because, obviously, like, in a city, you know, you'd have vagrants, like, living in there. And they yeah. were. And that's why city graveyards usually have walls around them. His descendants in the 1850s put in iron bars. His grave with his wife's is right in the corner of Christchurch Burial Ground. You could see him when... And they locked the burial ground up in the 1850s. His descendants paid to put in iron bars there, and it became a practice. Walking down Marlbury Street, it was Marlbury Street, and then everybody called it Arch Street because it was a big fucking arch at the end, and yeah. they, they changed the McDonald's. name. McDonald's. 1854. McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's. Arch. Arch. At the end of the arch. <laughs> But it became a practice of brides to throw a penny on his grave in the 1850s to bless the marriage. And then just tourists threw pennies after that, just thinking it would be good luck. And so right there on the outside, when you look at his grave on the red brick wall that's there, they do have a shortened version of this epitaph that he wrote at 22 years old, thinking that this would be fucking pretty cool as my obituary. And just as one little last fact, his family lives on in Delaware, they intermarried. He wouldn't know this because he was dead by that time, but they had intermarried with the DuPonts, the oh, chemi- mm-hmm. chemical DuPont. company. Oh. Yeah. 
So he's, yeah, he's part of the DuPont's. Yeah. Genealogical composition is now creating chemicals and Agent Orange for us. Bunch of know, stuff. Ben would not be happy with that at all. I have no more. The, the Hagley over there. Right, but he's so reading from the Gospel of Franklin. From 1728, he writes, The body of B. Franklin Printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here food for worms. But the work shall not be lost, for it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the author. The end. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) You've been listening to Grimm, and thank you for learning with us today. Lots and lots of Benjamin Franklin. It just fucking doesn't end, but now it does. It ends now. But you have gotten a nice in depth look at one of our founders and in a much more comprehensive manner than I think that we've covered anything up until this point. So we are four historians, Brittany Smith, Joe Woji, Ted Sisko, and Tony Levitt. Join us next time. Same grim time, same grim channel for more grim shit. Thank you for listening. Keep it beautiful and keep it grim. philly.com for the highest rated tours in the city history tours every morning ghost tours and dark history tours every night all of the year round god rest his soul anthony bourdain's favorite tours in the city of philadelphia or anywhere for supporting this podcast on patreon we cannot thank you enough we cannot do this without you thank you from the bottom of our hearts so so much patreon.com backslash grim philly patreon.com backslash grim philly